So you mean to tell me our government intelligence agencies work with Team Biden to bury the Hunter Biden laptop story in an effort to get Biden elected? Well, damn, if that's not election interference, I don't know what is, except I do. And yeah, that's election freaking interference. Americans, I ask this every month, but are you sick of being lied to yet? The show starts now. So do y'all remember that BS letter signed by 50 intelligence experts, the one that labeled the Hunter Biden laptop story Russian disinformation? Well, I know you're going to be shocked to know this, but yeah, that was all a giant load of steaming BS. But you knew that, right? That's old news. So here's some new news. Turns out Joe's presidential campaign prompted former acting CIA director Mike Morrell to help Biden by arranging for those 50 intel experts to sign that BS letter. But it gets better. In sworn testimony, Morrell sang like a canary and spilled that Antony Blinken, yes, the man that is now our Secretary of State, reached out to him on or before October 17, 2020, just days after the New York Post published the bombshell and super damning Hunter Biden laptop story to orchestrate this letter to, quote, help Vice President Biden because I wanted him to win the election. And voila, so it was done. Morale instructed Nick Shapiro, former deputy chief of staff to former CIA director John Brennan, to get that letter and statement out to the media, which he did. What a good little boy. Oh, and then that super duper helpful letter was used by Joe Biden during his October 22nd debate against Donald Trump. Do you remember this? 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Oh, and after that debate, Morrell got a call from the chairman of the Biden campaign thanking him for that helpful BS letter that was BS from the start. Folks, are you having trouble keeping up? Well, I'll just give you the footnotes. The CIA worked with the Biden campaign to discredit a valid report about Hunter Biden's laptop in order to get Joe elected. Are you feeling stupid yet or cheated? You know, when Trump supporters bark about a rigged election, this is what we're talking about. But here's what I really want to know. Why does no one seem to care? Why do we now have piles and piles of evidence and not a single arrest, not an impeachment, nothing? I guess when you're a Democrat, even a smoking gun isn't enough to pin you down. And yet, Donald J. Trump is facing 136 years for allegedly paying off a porn star and a bookkeeping error. He also faces another indictment in Georgia for election interference. But as for Joe, nothing. How are Americans supposed to have any faith in our government or institutions or elections at this point? Joe and Hunter could have and still could be selling our country out to China and Ukraine, and our intelligence agencies are helping them do it. Oh, and big tech, too, of course. This is sick. Someone needs to be in handcuffs, and it ain't Donald J. Trump. Joining me now with his take on this BS and so much more is Fox News contributor Joe Concha. Good to see you, Joe, on a very slow news day. Extremely slow. I was worried we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Well, we're going to focus on this because this is going to get buried now, this very real Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, CIA, all of this. I mean, we got this report last week, and it was a bombshell. The rest of the news media doesn't really seem to care, but I asked the question in my opening, and I want to know, what is it going to take— to get the Biden family actually investigated and, I don't know, actually held to account for everything that we know that they've done in conjunction with our intelligence agencies that are supposed to be doing, I don't know, work for the American people? 
We'll need a change in the Oval Office, I think, Tommy. Anything short of that, then we'll have a Justice Department that serves as, to use Barack Obama's old saying about his old wingman, Eric Holder, as Biden's wingman, and that, of course, is Merrick Garland. But you, you look at this story, Tommy, and it is, by any marker, bigger than Watergate. All right? Think about this for a second, all right? Does this... Does this story reach the White House? Yes, it does. That's a check. Was this a blatant attempt to subvert the electoral process? Yep. Did a presidential candidate engineer massive public deception? The campaign did, yes. Did it involve U.S. intelligence agencies? Yes, they did. And this wasn't like, you know, low-level guys, as you said, 50 of the most powerful people in the intelligence world, including people that we see on TV all the time now, like John Brennan, who headed up the CIA, Michael Hayden over at CNN and down the line. And what's amazing about this? They came to this conclusion that that laptop was absolutely Russian disinformation without ever looking at the laptop. It's like a coroner looking at uh, saying, oh, this guy died of X, Y, Z when he doesn't even get to look at the body. So our media at that point sort of said, wait a minute, how do you absolutely know that this is Russian disinformation if you haven't looked at the evidence? And of course, no one questioned it because, well, these aren't journalists we're talking about. They're activists. So between social media censoring the story, traditional media pushing this narrative, and the intelligence officers all coming to this amazing conclusion in in unison, that's how we got President Joe Biden, Tommy. I mean, when we have this testimony saying, wanted to help out Vice President Biden because I wanted to see him get elected. I mean, I don't know how more, much more clearly they can put it out there, the fact that intelligence agencies were concocting this letter to make Biden, you know, have something to say in the debate when Donald Trump quite rightfully so brought it up. And that really sure. did end the discussion when Joe Biden said, hey, listen, you know, 50 people are coming to my defense saying this is all the markers of Russian disinformation. He really did use that as his Trump card, so to speak. And he shut down all the discussion of it. And this is just a week before probably the biggest election of our lifetime up until the next one. I mean, yeah. how do the American people not feel cheated? Even if you're a Democrat, if you voted for Joe Biden, how do you not feel cheated by this? But I don't know if it's really going to move the dial at all in the court of public opinion. And that's what I really am concerned about. Right. Because if the media doesn't talk about it, uh, then therefore people just don't hear about it. It's called the bias of omission. And remember that same debate, Tommy, earlier, Joe Biden trotted out the uh, U.S. I'm sorry, it was the uh, Russian troops had bounties on U.S. troops, right? Uh, bounties through the Taliban somehow. And Donald Trump, apparently, according to unnamed sources close to the president, uh, Donald Trump knew about this, knew Vladimir Putin was ordering for U.S. troops to be killed over in Afghanistan and did nothing about it because, of course, he's a Russian agent. So why would he ever step in and do anything? And Biden bought that up as well and said, well, The New York Times is reporting that there are bounties on U.S. troops and Vladimir Putin ordered him. You knew about it and didn't do anything. Right. And people heard that and probably said, my God, what do we have, a traitor in the White House? And again, you don't have to persuade too many people to vote one way or another in order to win a presidential election. And what by that, I mean, it's not a national election. I look at these national polls and I laugh. It comes down to seven states, basically, and about, I don't know, 150,000 people across those seven states, Georgia, Arizona, Ohio, maybe not even Ohio, I can't say anymore, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Hampshire, Nevada. Those seven states decide presidential elections, and very few people are swing voters within those. But these are the type of things that could sway it one way or another, Tommy. Well, that brings us to what we expect to be a Joe Biden announcement coming potentially tomorrow at some time this week. That's what we're hearing. He's going to announce his reelection bid. But I wonder, 
We know that the Democrat Party really doesn't want Joe Biden to run. We know that even Democrats really don't want Joe Biden to run, but they don't want him to run because he's in cognitive decline. I'm not sure that all this about, I don't know, potentially selling out our country to China and Ukraine and whoever else wants to buy a painting from Hunter Biden or get some energy advice. I'm not sure that that's even going to make a difference in the mind of the voter going into 2024. It's like they have this all clear as day, but yet on the flip side of it, this BS Trump indictment is absolutely going to impact his ability to win the primary and an election in 2024. So it's very curious. I do want to turn to this Biden announcement, though. Do you think he's sure. going to announce or do you think we're going to get an explanation as to why he's not going to announce reelection and instead he's going to put Gavin Newsom in there? Because I'm still thinking that that could quite reasonably happen. Wow. I, I mean, they seem to be hinting that that absolutely will happen. What? Uh, April 25th. That's tomorrow. Uh, so to back out now, yeah, if he doesn't announce tomorrow and some sort of excuse is thrown out there, then I'm, I'm with you. Then I think it's Gavin Newsom, whose bumper sticker will be uh, make America into California. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's a winning message if I've ever heard one. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think he's running. I don't think he's reading the tea leaves at all. When you see these polls, like you just mentioned, a majority of Democrats don't want him to run. 70 percent of Americans overall don't want him to run. And then when you throw Trump into this equation, just four percent want a Trump-Biden rematch. Not exactly an appetite for that one, you know, the 78-year-old running against the 82-year-old, except the 78-year-old still has his fastball, while the 82-year-old, that's the thing about the whole age argument around Biden. Ah, he's incompetent. He's not there anymore. I don't know if he ever had a fastball, let alone a knuckleball, right? <laughs> uh, you, you, you remember Robert Gates? He was the defense secretary under Obama-Biden. He said that Joe Biden was wrong about every foreign policy decision he ever made. And remember, that's when he was younger and had his had his faculties about him. And now you just see his, his instincts in terms of the economy, inflation, let's spend more money. Uh, in terms of the border, let's let everybody in and see what happens. Uh, in terms of, obviously, education, we have test scores at a 30-year low. In foreign policy, the world is a complete mess right now, throwing Sudan and what's going on over there. So I don't, he has no record to run on. People don't want him to run because they think he's too old and too incompetent, yet he could win because people don't vote for a candidate anymore, Tommy. They vote against one. And if Trump runs, then he's the motivation like, well, the alternative is worse. We'll vote for Biden because he can't be as bad as Trump. That's the way some people think now at this point. I just think it's sad that we're settling on these two candidates, it appears, to be our the best ones from each party to, to run the, to run the uh, country. I'm sorry. I, I, I think we could do better. I think once DeSantis announces, I think that they will replace Biden with Newsom. I do. I think that they have to have an announcement from Joe Biden because he doesn't want to be a lame duck president. It looks bad if you don't have your sitting president announcing re-election. But I think they think that they could beat Trump, but I don't think that even the Biden camp thinks they could beat DeSantis because he doesn't have, as you said, <laughs> the hate factor that Trump has just because he's Donald Trump. So it remains to be seen. I still think Gavin Newsom is going to run. I think that they're going to not run against Biden, but I think they're going to just place him in that spot. I, I really do. But that, yeah. I want to move on to another gem, which was AOC, who for some reason continues to get airtime, but she sat down with somebody else who continues to get airtime, and that's Jen Psaki. And what came out of her mouth? Well, it was pretty communist. Let's take a listen. Federal okay. regulation in terms of what's allowed on air and what isn't. And when you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence. Very clearly incitement of violence. And that is the line that I think we have to uh, be willing to contend with.
All right, Joe. So uh, I want to get into this a little bit. Of course, she brought up Tucker Carlson. Lots of news in the headlines today. Not going to talk about that specifically, but I want to talk about just her overall theme of her message here was that federal regulators need to come in and make sure that certain people do not get airtime. And she said that, and Jen Psaki, who's supposedly now some kind of a journalist, just sat there nodding her head. I'm not sure if the American people understand how dangerous that is or if they care. First with Jen Psaki, there is no bigger phony in this business, in Washington in general, than Jen Psaki, who sounds like the girl from the American Pie movies. And one time at Bandcamp, I mean, it's just, she's so jarring to listen to. But she actually had the audacity to tell Ben Smith, I think two weeks ago at some conference, uh, that she considers herself a serious journalist. And I'm sitting there, I'm saying, just admit who you are. You're an opinion host. You serve at the pleasure of the Democratic Party. You worked in the Obama administration. Then you were Biden's press secretary. Now you're on MSNBC. You were on CNN before that. So that's the revolving door, right? But don't go on here pretending like you're a journalist. As for AOC, I think we saw last year, what was it? The uh, Governing uh, Disinformation Board, yeah. right? Nina Jankiewicz. Yep. What a great idea that was, that the government is going to start to monitor free speech and what is and isn't appropriate, that thing completely blew up. So you would think AOC would have learned from that saying, probably talking about government censorship of whole news networks, or at least uh, hosts on news networks is a good idea. And it's not. And as you said, Saki's just sitting there noddling like it's bobblehead night at the ball game. And, and AOC, she, I, I just checked actually, she barely gets fact checked, but when she has been, it's been 11 times and eight times her statements were deemed as absolutely false. So <laughs> this is just the person we need to talk about what is truth and what isn't. It's just, and you're right. What has she ever accomplished in, in Congress? Not only has she never had a bill passed, she's never even had one introduced on the floor. Yet she gets more airtime than almost any other congresswoman because she has lots of social media followers and maybe she can tweet out the interview and give us more clicks and ratings. Oh, please, enough. I can't take it anymore. Well, I'm glad that you brought up social media because I wanted to ask you your thoughts. I've seen it a little bit on Twitter about the Twitter blue verification. Joe, did you bite the bullet and pay for the Twitter blue to keep your blue check mark, or are you over it? Oh, uh, shut the front door, Tommy. No way. I, I, I'm not going to pay the eight bucks. I don't need to be verified, right? When I, I think when I first got verified, there were a couple of like parody. I'm sure you have some as well yep. accounts that were out there with me. So I'm like, all right, I guess I got to get this thing because. People are tagging me in these tweets and or they're putting up things that I didn't say. And, and that, that's the reason why I got it. But now I, I guess I've established what my account is and what isn't. So I'm not going to pay the eight bucks. But these people in, in the media industry just losing their minds over this, like their whole life is Twitter. Like everything revolves around that that hellscape of a cesspool, hot mess of a dumpster fire. And just to see them react the way they are to the, oh, my God, I lost my blue check. It's like sophomore year all over again, Tommy. Well, I will be honest, I did pay the $84 a year to retain okay. my blue check. But the reason I did it is for that exact reason, because there's so many people out there that use my image and they use my name and then they tweet out these horrible things or they like really horrible things. And then people say, yeah. look what Tommy said. It's like, at least that blue check gives me a little bit of something that I can say, hey, listen, that's not me. I didn't say that horrible thing because a lot of people don't go to check if this is a bot account or not. So I bit the bullet, right. I did it, I funded Elon Musk and Twitter, I will be honest. But there's another person though, uh, I'm not sure, Bud Light I don't think retained their blue check mark, they didn't pay <laughs> the $84 a year that I paid, but maybe they should have. I wanna get your thoughts on the fact that they are now having a little bit of a, a shake up over there at Bud Light, that yeah. Alyssa, uh, Allison, Alyssa, whatever her name was, she's taken a leave of absence. They've got someone else in her place. Does this mean that conservative consumers are finally making a dent in wokeism, maybe even just a little bit? 
can you understand Tommy in any way, shape, or form? And by the way, I, I, when we, whenever we've done Fox together and we're both tagged in some tweet from some show, I see the vitriol you get, and I am astounded. I, I mean, I that it almost scares me the, the the way people talk about you and treat you. It's these people are unhinged, right? And I, and I feel sorry. I, I just feel complete empathy for you because I get a little bit of it, but not on that level. So I, I applaud you for for uh, at least giving your money to a good cause, which at least is Elon Musk who's doing something to clean up Twitter. Uh, in fact, maybe I'll go buy one right now in, in unison with you in solidarity. So yeah, all, all right. right, I'm gonna get the blue check. All right, we're on we're on the same page. Uh, shake up at Bud Light. Never shake beer. I, I've learned that 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 ends badly. Uh, overall, I just can't understand. If you're a business, all you have to do is produce a good product. And and Budweiser's already done that. It's been around for a billion years, and everybody loves a uh, nice, cool, tall Budweiser once in a while, particularly at a ball game. So they they have the product. They have the name recognition. For the most part, I've never heard Bud being any sort of controversy in any way, shape, or form. They have great advertising. And then all they have to do is just treat their customers well and stay the F out of politics. That's it. Don't take a side because you may alienate half your potential consumer base, right? So why do you even have to do something like they did uh, in terms of the transgender thing? Where transgenders, by the way, make up like a fraction of a fraction of our population. So what customer base are you trying to appeal to exactly? So yeah, people made their voices heard. I'm not for boycotts, but I am for capitalism. And if they say I'm never buying a Budweiser again, I believe them because there used to be like four beers on the market that you could buy. It was like Schlitz, Miller, Bud, and, you know, filled of course, right? And now there's like a billion beers out there. Uh, that I don't even recognize them half the time. Uh, but yeah, uh, they're they're screwed and their stock price and their, their market cap and all that stuff took a hit over something that was so easily avoidable, Tommy. It was. And I'm happy to see that they're at least somewhat acknowledging it. I would like a full acknowledgement, but I'll tell you, I was at a ball game this past weekend and the cooler was filled with Bud Light. Nobody was buying it. All right. And this was oh, in wow. Syracuse, New York. And I will say that Syracuse is actually a little bit more conservative than I gave it credit for. But yeah, people just were not drinking Bud Light. And the ones that were, I think, were drinking it to try to make a point that they were you know, on the left and for the other community and this and that. But I don't think, I think they drank it begrudgingly. I don't think that they really enjoyed it. But yeah, cooler filled with Budweiser products, everything else pretty much sold out. So I think, you know what? I'm not it's for like boycotts. Mask. I'm not for boycotts, Joe, but I got to tell mm -hmm. you, finally, though, conservatives stood up and said, hey, we matter. Like we're customers too, because normally we just say, oh, it bothers us that you guys are continually overlooking us, but we're not going to do anything about it. But maybe this is a sign, hey, learn that you do have conservatives that buy products and you need to pay attention to us too, or at the very least, just don't go out of your way to piss us off. And 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 the thing is, the the argument that, that you hear from some of the left is that, oh, you're anti-trans if you're boycotting Bud. No, I don't care if you wanna be a transgender person, go ahead, knock yourself out. I just don't need it shoved down my throat. I don't need to worry if my daughter, when she gets to college, she's, she's an amazing soccer player, by the way, leading her team in scoring. I, I could go off on a whole tangent on this. She's nine now, uh, but I, I don't want her to go to college and suddenly she's a, about to enter a game and she's playing against a bunch of guys who say they're girls and that that's good enough, right? And my wife is an athlete in college and she this drives her nuts. She's like, you know how hard it is to get to a division one school, actually get a scholarship. And imagine if you're a swimmer and you look across down the blocks and you see somebody almost twice your size who used to be a guy who was ranked 400th in the country. And now that person's winning a national championship because of racing against somebody who's obviously biologically inferior. I, I, that's the whole thing. I, I just don't need this shoved down my throat. I, I and, and consumers are saying that about Bud Light and a lot of other things, by the way, in terms of companies taking a side. I went to Disney recently and I posted a picture of me up there with my kids. <laughs> 
thing and thinking it was no big deal. And I got eviscerated for it. You hypocrite, how dare you? I'm like, well, it's not the kid's fight. I had to take him, even though I'm still paying for it now. I'm bartending at night. It's it's it's, it's a sad <laughs> situation over here, Tommy. Well, I'm okay if you still want to go to Disney. Uh, I Thank stopped you. going to Disney when they brought the masking and that's why I won't go to Disney because uh, I was really pissed off about the masking rules. I know that that's okay. since been eliminated, but just any place that had the forced masking and then they added the masks in on the photos and the rides, that was just too much for me because I'm like oh. a COVID absolutist and that I absolutely won't deal with anybody who is a COVID absolutist. So that's what did it for me. But I never Can liked I Bud you? Light anyway. So I was I'm at happy. The, I was at the store this weekend and uh, it was early and I was a little bit grumpy. And I'm the only one basically in this store. And the kid behind the, uh, you know, at the at the checkout counter, uh, he has a mask on, but it's it's a cloth mask. It's one of those like ones you could get like in the hospital, a light blue one, you know, and it's like below his nose. I said, look, maybe this is none of my business, but you understand that that is doing absolutely nothing to protect you in any way, shape or form. There is, and he's like, what? I go, study after study says those cloth masks don't work. In fact, it may trap COVID more and give you it than, than it doesn't. So and I said, my wife's a doctor and she says that that's all BS. Uh, and by the way, it's below your nose. So it's not doing anything anyway. He's like, all right, I'm going to look this up when I get home. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done with this. And then before I, I was walking down the street, walking my dog, and I see this guy pulls up to the corner. He's got a mask on. He's alone in his car, Tommy. Who? Where's it going to come from? The radio? I, I don't get the way these people think. But then I realize you're right. The people that drink Bud Light now, they do it as a badge of honor in support of transgender XYZ. And it's the same thing with masks. It's it's a badge of honor for those on the left because they they feel it makes them moral, morally superior that they're not killing other people. I, I think that's the only conclusion I can come to. Well, uh, there's plenty of maskers that I see as well. And I'm glad that you had the, I guess, the bravery to finally ask one of these people why they're still wearing a mask because I've often wanted to do that, but I don't want to pick a yeah. fight. Um, I'm a little bit smaller than you. and Yeah, maybe. Maybe if I ask like a child or something. But, you know, asking yeah. people, I'm just leave them alone. If they want to wear their mask, you know, good for Free them. Free country. But, Joe, yeah. thank you yeah. for being with me on this, like I said, a very slow news day. And I'll see you very yeah. soon. <laughs> I'm going to text you about that very slow news day very soon. Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> right, I'll talk to you later. Bye, Joe. Still ahead, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson is suing the Biden administration to block that unconstitutional $1.7 trillion omnibus package with the hopes of preventing your hard-earned tax dollars from going into the pockets of illegal immigrants. Ken Paxson joins me next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
you've heard the expression, where there's a will, there's a way. Well, for Democrats, it's more like if there's any way they can speed up and exacerbate the crisis of illegals invading this country, they'll do it and they'll do it with a smile. So here's a new one, and it combines two of their favorites, illegal immigration and gay issues. Democrats in the House and Senate introduced a new bill to give a free pass to basically every Tom, Dick, Harry, and Jose that comes across our border illegally. It's called the Dignity for Detained Immigrants Act, and yes, I too just threw up my mouth a little bit. But basically, this bill would make it harder to hold illegals in custody if they fall into what liberals deem vulnerable categories such as being gay, lesbian, or transgender, or those who don't speak English. So yeah, that pretty much covers about every single one of them. And hell, if you're not LGBTQ, you can always just identify that way. So here we go, just open the floodgates as if they could be open any wider. Who needs a sovereign nation anyway, right? That's just so 2018. Joining me now with his take on that and so much more is Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. It's great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hope so you're having a good day. Well, you know, it's a day. <laughs> I want to start out, I have a lot to talk to you about, but I want to start out with this Dignity for Detained Immigrants Act. You're in Texas. Texas is still being absolutely inundated, bombarded, bum-rushed by illegal immigrants. And now, <laughs> surprise, surprise, Democrats are going out of their way yet again to make it almost impossible to hold any of these people. And I'm wondering what impact this and everything else is going to have on the great state of Texas. First of all, you can tell he's not from Texas, he's from New Jersey. He doesn't think it's going to affect his state. Uh, obviously, he doesn't care about the rest of us. And it's actually just hard to believe that this is a real bill, that this is actually a not a joke, but a real bill. And as you know, this does nothing good for Americans. This is uh, only good for, for other countries that want to send people to our, to our country. Well, to me, again, it's trying to say that those who come across illegally are now a protected class of people, plus an extra protected class if you fall into one of the categories that the left loves and recognizes. So basically, nobody's going to be held in custody. So I don't even know why we have a border or a border processing system anymore, because it's quite obvious that you can get around it in about 25 different ways. And we already know how easy it is to get into this country. I mean, people just line up, they come in, they get a bus ticket or a plane ticket, and they go wherever the hell they want to, and they wait for a court date that may or may not ever come by the time they've had two or three kids. So it's a it's laughable. But I want to talk about what the state of Texas is doing about it, because you guys are on the front lines. You're fighting the good fight, doing everything that you can, fighting tooth and nail. And now you have this lawsuit against the Biden administration over that $1.7 trillion spending package. And your stance on it is that this is unconstitutional because it was passed without a quorum. And you're hoping to prevent some of this money from going into the pockets of illegal immigrants. Tell me where we stand with this lawsuit now and if you have hopes of getting it through. Yeah, so since 1789, our Congress has operated under the constitutional rule that says you have to have a quorum, which means a majority of members present. For the first time in our history, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi overruled that and just decided she would let people vote by proxy. In other words, they don't have to be there. Some they can give their proxy to another congresswoman or congressman who could vote for them. That's completely a violation of our constitutional process and perverts the whole system. So we filed a lawsuit arguing that they cannot go forward with this bill. It's a massive spending bill of $1.7 trillion. And because those provisions affect us, they need to follow the constitution. If they don't have to, we don't have a constitution. 
Tell me about how some of this money is going to go into the pockets of illegal immigrants, because we know that this is a ridiculous spending package. We've known it for quite some time now, but I don't know if a lot of Americans understand how this could directly incentivize illegal immigration into our country, as if it could be incentivized anymore at this point. So there's hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars going towards uh, helping illegals once they get here through this through this bill. What that also does for Texas is it puts more illegals in our state, and then we're subject to having to take care of their health care, law enforcement costs, education. And so the, the, there's actually a multiple on this bill because it affects us directly in both costs, not just fiscal costs, but then also social costs. Well, it certainly does. And I think that that's why so many Americans who actually pay attention to the border are concerned about it, not only for Texas, but for Arizona and for every other state that's being impacted by it. And another thing I'm concerned about is Title 42. You know, that's expected to expire in May. And I wonder, it's already bad. A lot of Americans aren't really noticing how bad it is. But how much worse is it going to get when pretty much all the barriers are stripped away and it's just a free for all? What can you expect in Texas to happen? So they've dismantled the whole border control process, uh, federal law requiring that people stay in the contiguous state, which being Mexico, or that they be detained. The remain in Mexico, they've gotten rid of that. We're fighting over that. They're not building the wall. They stopped. They, they've continued to, to pursue uh, people and just let them go. And then Title 42 was the last remaining vestige of any real enforcement of federal immigration law. And now they're trying to get rid of that. The numbers have already gone up just in two years, about three or four hundred percent from when Trump was in office as far as illegal immigration. That's a massive increase. It's the largest increase we've ever seen. The numbers are the largest we've ever seen. With Title 42 gone, those numbers are likely to double again. And so we're talking about potentially a six to seven to eight hundred percent increase in illegal immigration every year with really no enforcement left uh, for our immigration laws. Is the state of Texas still busing these illegal immigrants to blue cities, as I know that you have done, and I know that Ron DeSantis has done is similar? Is that still a process that's ongoing in your state? Yeah, and it's more to make a point. Obviously, there's we have five, six, seven thousand people crossing the border into just Texas alone, and just sending a few hundred, as you noted, as you as you just noted, uh, created a, a huge uproar in Washington D.C. and in New York City, in Martha's Vineyard, in Chicago liberal democratic cities that were sanctuary cities that during the Trump administration were complaining that the illegal immigration was being limited and that people could come to their city. And then ironically, they get a few hundred or a thousand and they're overwhelmed by it. And they're complaining they don't have the money and that it's too much. And so it just shows the hypocrisy of the left and what they say and what they do are completely different. My last question for you is based on 2024, if we do have a Republican in office, or if, heaven forbid, we have another Democrat, whether it's Joe or Gavin or whoever, is this situation at the border fixable? Is it a situation where somebody could come in, let's hope it's a Republican, could come in and say, this is unsustainable, we're going to fix our border situation, and we're going to have actual border enforcement? Is that possible, or is it so bad already that it's going to take, I don't know, five, ten years, decades to fix the damage that's been done in the last two years? So we can't do anything now about the people that are here, the millions and millions of people here. We can't do anything about the drugs that have already been imported. But yes, we saw under President Trump, whatever you think of him, he was effective with enforcing immigration law. And there were basically just a few things. The Remain in Mexico program, which stopped this insane asylum where people just walk up to the Border Patrol and turn themselves in and claim asylum. And then they're here. The stopping the catch and release, 
um, and t- at the time enforcing Title 42 and then building the wall. That's the long-term solution. All of those things took illegal immigration to some of their lowest levels. And all of that has been dismantled in a relatively quick period of time by the Biden administration. And they did it on purpose. They've given every incentive to the cartels to make as much money as they can, as fast as they can, and whether it's importing people or whether it's importing drugs. Well, I'm hoping that we have a leader that comes back into office in 2024 that can at least stop the flow. And then we'll have to figure out what we're going to do with the millions and millions of people that are already here. That's another discussion. But thank you for everything that you do in Texas, trying to fight the good fight, even with no help from this administration. And we really appreciate everything that Texas does to stand firm. Thank you, Attorney General, for being with me today. And God bless Texas. Hey, thank you for having me on, and thanks for covering this issue. It's really important. Absolutely. Coming up, the FBI will still not allow for the release of the Nashville Shooters Manifesto, supposedly because its contents could be damaging to the LGBTQ community. Oh, you know I have some final thoughts. Next. Tennessee officials say the FBI is slow rolling the release of the trans Nashville shooters manifesto reportedly due to concerns it could be bad PR for the LGBTQ community. Well, excuse me, but I don't give a flying rainbow about molly coddling perhaps the most extreme, entitled, and increasingly violent community in America today. No, I care much more about, I don't know, the Nashville community and the Christian community after this trans went on a rampage and shot up a school killing six innocent people. And those who have knowledge of what's exactly in that manifesto say it's dark, like real dark. During the search of the house that Freak shared with her parents, authorities found and seized 20 journals, five laptops, a suicide note, and various other notes written by the trans shooter, as well as two memoirs, five Covenant School yearbooks, and seven cell phones. Law enforcement personnel and those with knowledge of what's in it have shared the manifesto is really a blueprint on total destruction, and Covenant School was just the beginning of what she had planned. But of course, the fixers on the Nashville City Council are already cleaning this thing up, saying that releasing it would just be too dangerous. How? Tell me how. How does knowing what motivated someone to do something so atrocious as gunning down and killing six people, including three little kids at a Christian school, make the situation more dangerous? The innocent people are already dead. The shooter is dead. This thing was targeted and targeted at Christians, but because we aren't recognized as a protected class here in the new U.S. of gay, we just don't seem to matter, do we? There is no reason for the Nashville authorities or the FBI to keep this from the public. It's been almost a month. If it were a he, him, white, straight male Trump supporter, it would have been released day one and published word for word with bold and underline. Oh, and P.S., Like hell are we going to allow Democrats to use the Nashville shooting to push for more gun infringements when they won't even level with us on the actual motive? Hint, hint, it wasn't guns. It wasn't the NRA. You know, these same Democrats want red flag laws, but also want to protect the trans shooter who murdered Christians. No, I don't think so. The PR plan of the LGBTQ community does not override the public's right to know. And if the medications or hormones this person was pumped with to be trans had any effect on her mentality or state of mind, we deserve to know that too. And to my fellow Christians who just want to turn the other cheek again and as usual and be forgiving and quiet, you need a wake-up call. By being quiet and meek and rolling over every single time we're attacked, demeaned, or even killed, we've done nothing but send a message that we're fine with it. You teach people how to treat you, and how is that working out for us? 
enough. Release the manifesto. We are going to let this slide, not this time. Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to catch the entire show exclusive content on OutKick's YouTube page. Make sure to like and to subscribe. And on a much lighter note, tomorrow my dad is not only celebrating his birthday, but he's celebrating his retirement after almost 60 years of working his tail off. He finally gets to retire. Congratulations, Dad. I love you and a happy birthday. With that, from Nashville, God bless and take care.